Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Heavyweight Podcast. In one corner, standing at six foot three, two hundred ninety pounds of solid chicken wings, Dustin Urban. And this corner at six foot seven, two hundred eighty pounds, the one, the only, Big Daddy Nick Klein. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of the Heavyweights Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nick Klein, and beside me, as always, is Dustin Urban. A little bit different this week. Normally, we have at least one guest on covering one team. Sometimes we've been doing two in the past with two different teams, but tonight we've got Scott Bear of NBC Sports Bay Area covering the Raiders, and then we have Raider, Raiders. Uh, Raider Cody, who has a podcast on multiple platforms. He's huge on YouTube and everywhere else. He also joins us to talk a little bit more about the Raiders, mostly because the Raiders have one of the bigger fan bases in the NFL. We know... The set teams that have the bigger fan bases, you know, you have the Cowboys, the Packers, anywhere you go, there's a Raiders fan, Redskins, Giants, the, the, almost the original Blue Bud teams back from the 60s before the mergers. So Absolutely, and the Raiders are a really intriguing team this year. Extremely, season, plus so. they have the coolest looking stadium, we, we can all agree on that. And the coolest looking fans star. too. Yeah, so, so we're just going to kick it off though with some new news. <laughs> <laughs> The Giants kicker, <laughs> Aldrick Ross, who's been there the last three years, he's made, I think, almost 83% of his field goals, 90-some percent of his extra points, was arrested. And not just arrested for drinking and driving, but for straight-up hit and run. Right. I don't see if there's any way we go forward from here that he is going to be on the Giants the rest of this year. I don't know. This, if it's 10 years ago... 15 years ago, He's yes. not even missing a game. He's yeah. shooting a fine. Dante Stallworth missed like three two games. games. Two games, three games, and he yeah, killed someone in a Lamborghini. Got 30 days in jail. And got re- 15. Yeah, you got released early <laughs> for good behavior. <laughs> the only thing that's taking away from this is other sports still aren't going on, and it's kind of got swept on the road with all the other issues. We do have baseball trying to come back. Actually, we don't know. Rob Manfred's kind of – The one thing, like, we all can agree, though, that Roger Goodell is – we don't like him for the most part, what he's done to football, but he's done well. At least he's not Rob Manfred and what he's done to fuck over the MLB. Right. You, know, you come back a week ago – Pete, that's every – Yeah, that, <laughs> that goes back to – That doesn't really have anything to do with Rob Manfred. A week ago he said, you know, we're going to have baseball no matter what. Players reject the owner's offer. They want a little more because the owners, they make all their money on the TV deal. So the second this, it could have been 48 games. They already made their money. Everything else for them is pure profit. They just wanted more money. And in the long run, all these owners are going to make enough money. But then after they rejected that deal, Manfred comes in and says, I don't know if we're going to play. And all the players like, all right, well, we're ready right now. So it's just a bad look on them. So at least Goodell's said the right things. He's better at PR. Yeah, my biggest problem with Goodell has always been his inconsistencies on punishments, personally. But oh, we've not. we've known that for a fact. In his stance, he he's afraid sometimes to stand up to the owners. Right, he works for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I get he's it. Pussy ass bitch. I mean, that's that's a little excessive. <laughs> he's done a lot and made them a lot of money. <clears throat> yeah, he he's really progressed the league a lot in a lot of ways. He just I don't agree with a lot of things I've done. All right, well, moving on to the next topic, the L.A. Raiders. Well, not the L.A. Raiders, sorry. Not Oakland, not L.A. They're in Vegas now. Vegas, baby. They were just awarded the 2021 Pro Bowl. We know they were supposed to get the draft this year, but we had we got to watch Goodell eat M&Ms in his basement instead. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, so they have that. So without it, you turned into, tuned into us instead of that. But. Yeah, I highly doubt that's going <laughs> to happen. But 
We'll just start with there with the Raiders. You know, we know that they've got a difficult schedule coming out of the gate this year. They're in a tough division just from the simple fact we don't know what Denver is. If Locke can improve, that team's going to be good. Biggest mystery team in the league for me. You don't know what the L.A. Chargers are because you don't know what's going to have that quarterback. What Tyrod Taylor, we know he can right. get them seven wins, eight wins. No, they got a great defense, but what are they going to do offensively? Yeah, and if Herbert, they do roll the dice with Herbert, where are you going to go? Carr had a better year last year than what most people realize. He's uh-huh. looked the best he has since his 2016 season before he broke his leg against the Colts. You know, he was on an MVP track. They made the playoffs that year. Obviously, he didn't get a play. So let's just jump into it right now with Scott Bear. Joining us now is Scott Bear from NBC Sports Bay Area. He covers the Oakland Athletics. Well, the former Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, and a few other teams around the Bay Area. Scott, thanks for coming on. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Just uh, always appreciate the uh, chance to talk Raiders football. Good or bad, they are never boring. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's always interesting when it comes to anything with the Raiders. You, they have such a loyal fan base. You see it anywhere you go in almost any city. You know, now they're making this transition to Las Vegas, which if there was a contest or just a poll today, there would be no reason why that stadium, the new stadium that's getting finished, is not number one in, in the NFL. It just looks absolutely spectacular from the outside but normally we would start in i'd want to go over the draft class with you you know a little bit of free agency but for anybody out there that's not following closely on the raiders this whole lynn bowden situation where he had the cops raid a house i believe that wasn't his but a family member so can you just kind of give us a little brief background and update on what the whole situation is going on with their third round draft pick from this year uh, yeah, so he was present with his young son in a house that that is owned by his grandmother, a house that he grew up living in, but he doesn't own. Um, and there are more than more than a, more than a dozen residents currently uh, living there. So um, he was there during uh, during a raid or an execution of a search warrant by U.S. Marshals and the DEA. It's never a good thing. Um, according to an Ohio television station, uh, assault rifles, long rifles, and handguns were seized. Um, also, um, according to that television station's um, anonymous sources, that I guess that there were drug buys from that house, although Lynn Bowden was never um, associated with anything uh, like that. And he was handcuffed uh, on the front porch as the search warrant was executed. He was not arrested. In fact, nobody was arrested uh, from the execution of the search warrant. Um, talked to some people uh, uh, with the team, some people within his camp, and there isn't a great deal of concern moving forward. But uh, you know, anytime that you're associated uh, with this type of thing, it's never good. Um, I don't think it's anything to be overly uh, concerned about when it comes to the former Kentucky Wildcat and current Las Vegas Raider. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that everything's, you know, shaped out better than what, because you saw the initial reports and you think, oh, no, what's happened? But, I mean, he Bowden's an intriguing prospect to me. You know, I think you could have put him at a few positions coming out of Kentucky. We saw him play quarterback there last year. You know, he was a slot receiver, spent time at running back. But the Raiders are, it seems like, consistent on putting him in the backfield with Josh Jacobs. And, you know, I just – what is your perspective on him? What can he do in his rookie year? Because I had him mostly coming out as a wide, like a slot gadget type player that's going to move all over the field and not just having really a set position. 
I think in time that's what he's going to be, but given this weird lack of an off season and limited time with, with young players getting integrated into NFL systems, I think the Raiders just want to start him at one position and then slowly expand his role. It okay. could be that, that, that he has more select packages. I wouldn't anticipate him squaring up a lot behind a fullback and getting after it in my estimation uh they're gonna call him a joker which i don't know just sort of means that uh he's gonna be able to move all over the field kind of as a wild card i think at times in in the slot running jet sweeps we could see wildcat formations with him behind center we could see him running between the tackles and one thing that i'm absolutely certain of is that john gruden is at a dry erase board somewhere in the east bay soon to be in henderson nevada drawing up plays for this kid and he's not going to let anybody know about them in what and however long the preseason is he's not going to let anybody know about these plays whenever the media is allowed to training camp practices. He's going to unveil this kid's role during the regular season. It may be smaller up front than it will be in the long term. I think they like calling him running back because it may, even if it gives one defensive coordinator pause, that's good enough for Gruden. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I like, I mean, we know that Gruden doesn't sleep. You know, he wakes up super early. Everybody's seen that this fall, you know, ESPN in the last few years, and then he's back. You know, Mayock and Gruden put together a really great 2019 draft class. I think a lot of people were iffy on it just from the way they started. And this year started off the exact same. You know, that you guys took Henry Ruggs with the 12th overall pick. A lot of people thought that was a reach. And then with the second first-round pick you guys had from the Khalil Mack trade, you know, Damon Arnett's there at 19, and no one saw that coming. But if you've seen anything, Mayock seems to be taking the players that he values more at positions ahead of what the experts are saying. So out of this class, do you think that it's going to be similar to more to 2019 or is it going to be a growing process and that some of these players are going to take a little longer to contribute than what the Raiders had last year? You know, when you look back at last year's class, now the, the headliner is um, Cleveland Furl and he was drafted number four and the expectations for somebody drafted that high are, are incredibly high. Um, but nonetheless, he, I wouldn't say underperformed, but he's more of a project than fourth overall picks are. But then you look at the contributions that they got from Josh Jacobs. Jonathan Abram was hurt all year, but Trayvon Mullen, starter, uh, two of their fourth round picks were major role players. Hunter Renfro, they got in the fifth round. So the depth of that draft class is really what was impressive. And the fact, going back to your question, that they – we're able to get guys to make immediate impacts. That doesn't right. always happen. I think there is an expectation here with the first round draft picks that you mentioned, Ruggs and Arnett, that they could come in and play right away. Ruggs, they're going to find ways to use his speed, even if he's not as effective as a rookie as he will be later on. Just his speed changes the way that teams are covered, right? That that his 427 speed will alter the opportunities for Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams, who's back healthy, and so many of the other Raiders uh, offensive skill players. Damon Arnett is one of those guys, and I think Henry Ruggs is the same thing. that You hear this draft cliche, draft the best player available. Every GM right. says it. This team doesn't do it, okay? This team <laughs> drafts for need. 
period. Last year, they needed a 4-3 end. Nick Bosa, their dream was not available. They took what they thought was the next best 4-3 end, regardless of who was available on the board, right? So yeah. once, so so with this Arnett pick, right? Once C.J. Henderson um, is off the board and Jeffrey Okuda is off the board, they went for a thing that they needed with a guy that fit their scheme. Damon Arnett is a guy that I really like, right? And I, yeah. on draft day, you can talk about reach, right? Now yeah. that's over. Now it's, does the guy fit the scheme and is he competitive? Is he a good press man corner? Is he fearless and physical and all the things the Raiders demand of a cornerback? Absolutely. Uh, instant impacts are tough. That's why they signed Prince Amukamara as kind of a safety valve and insurance policy, a guy that can step in, play a year while, while Damon Arnett develops. So would they like him to start right away? Would they like Ruggs and Bowden and Brian Edwards, who I absolutely love? Yeah, I the road? Sure they would, but they have insurance policies built in. That's a sign of good roster construction. Yeah, I mean, I completely loved, you know, what they did last year. It panned out later. And like you said, you know, the draft's over. We can talk about anything else. You know, can they produce now? Are they going to fit in these schemes? And last year it worked out, and I have no reason not to trust Mayock and Gruden right now. So Yeah, their track re record speaks for itself right now. So it's just a matter of time to see how these guys play out down the line. But keeping with the new ac or acquisitions this year, what do you think of their free agency class? I really like the Corey Littleton signing and the Marcus Mariota, Mariota signing personally. I, Corey Littleton's one of the most underrated middle linebackers in the game, if you ask me. But what do you think of their free agency? You know, I really liked it, and and I, I thought that if you if you take the off season acquisitions as a whole, right, that they spent a lot of money on defensive acquisitions. And they drafted a lot of offensive speed and skill players. Okay. Uh, last year, they signed, they paid big money for Tyra Williams and Trent Brown, right? And guys like that. And they drafted a more defensive slant. Now, it kind of flipped roles this year. Uh, and look, they were going after Byron Jones really hard, really hard, top dollar money. And he took cash from Miami surprisingly to some extent. Uh, but Byron Jones going to Miami changed the course of what the Raiders were able to do as opposed to maybe just getting a couple guys. They were able to get their 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 featured signing, Corey Littleton. I'm with you a thousand percent. He is a, he's a modern NFL linebacker, sideline to sideline that we just, that's hard to find. And I think his pairing with uh, former Chicago Bear Nick Kwiatkowski, who is more of a thumper but but uh, can also cover, shows an investment in linebackers. They paid, off the top of my head, they paid $57 million if they see the life of these deals to those two linebackers. They hadn't um, paid anybody, I would say, under the age of 29, and they hadn't drafted anyone before the fourth round since Reggie McKenzie took over, right? <laughs> Um, so they finally invested in the position. Uh, that's why I really love what they did. They built up the middle, right? You look at those two linebackers that we just talked about. Uh, Malik Collins, maybe maybe my favorite a free agent signing, a, a, a solid three technique coming over from Dallas. And then 
very late, they ended up adding uh, Demarius Randall, who should pair at free safety with with uh, Jonathan Abram. They built strength through the middle. They weren't afraid to go spend money to do it. When Byron Jones didn't take their cash, they uh, moved on to 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 Plan B uh, very quickly, and I was very impressed by that. Yeah, I liked you know some of their signings. Um, you know, you let Carl Joseph walk, but. You know, going back to, you know, they spend on defense, they bring in Demarius Randall. You said they're going to pair him with Jonathan Abram. You know, he looked good in the season opener last year. I believe it was a torn rotator rotator cuff that cut his rookie season short. Yep. I would expect bigger things from here, him in year two. But this whole team seems like it's going to revolve to me around the offense and what Josh Jacobs can do in his second season. You know, he had a great rookie season. Is it in your expectations that he runs for at least 1,500 yards and carries more of that workload? Or do you think that Derek Carr, who didn't have a bad season last year, they're going to be able to throw the ball a little more? Like, what way do you think that Gruden's going to lean with this offense? You know, for as much speed as they drafted and physicality on the outside, uh, that they added to Darren Waller, um, both a player with a story that I um, really, really, really like. Uh, I still think, and John Gruden, he'll admit it every now and then, right, that while he's that he, having Andy Reid's weapons, right, the you know the Tyree Kells, the Miko Hardmans, the Sammy Watkins, the speed, the track yeah. team, uh, and the way Andy Reid, uh, his his old pal, runs his system, John Gruden's not going to be able to escape the fact that he's a West Coast guy. He's a throw it. He, he's a spider two wide banana guy who's going to use a running back um especially a quality feature back like josh jacobs and uh uh, i have a podcast as well the raiders talk podcast which you guys uh, can find on youtube and uh, every other audio platform and me and my partner uh josh rock just kind of discussed this thing and we set the over under at 1600 all-purpose yards that sounds like a lot but he had 1,300 last year and missed three games and most of another one. So there's no reason to think that if, if if he plays 16 games, now while was he the he and Waller were the only weapons last year, so they had to feed him. But he had, uh, off the top of my head, 214 carries, but only maybe 18 receptions, something like that. Uh, I could see both numbers going up, despite the fact that they're going to use Lynn Bowden and they and, and they have uh, Jalen Richard, they have uh, a Devontae Booker back there. I would still anticipate, especially if they get ahead early in games, that Josh Jacobs becomes their closer. I always stand by the fact that uh, you know quarterbacks are comeback kings, running backs and edge rushers are closers. To use that baseball. Um, vernacular i think josh jacobs can be a closer there will be times where Derek carr throws the ball 50 times there will be times that josh jacobs runs at 28 yeah i mean i completely agree i mean it's ride your hot hand which gruden will do you know i think the raiders i've we talked about it in our power rankings and everything they're not too far away from making a bigger impact in the afc and with the uncertainty in the west we know the chiefs are going to be there with patrick mahomes but we don't know what drew Locke's going to be in denver you don't know what type of offense is going to be out in L.A. with the Chargers just because Rivers is gone. You have uncertainty at quarterback with whether it be Tyrod Taylor or Herbert. What are your expectations with this season coming in for the Raiders? Do you expect them to compete for at least a wild card or higher? Or what are your overall expectations? I think John Gruden, he knew 
that Andy Reid was in the division when he took the gig, right? And then he sees Patrick Mahomes staring at him, and this could be a multi-time MVP. He's already got one. He's already got a, a Super Bowl ring, and they could and probably will be a perennial powerhouse. So we've done a lot of analysis on our pod trying to figure out have they gotten better against the Chiefs, right? And right. I think that they're a better matchup, but I, I'm, I don't know if they're closer to winning a division necessarily. And while Drew Locke showed us something, is, but is ultimately an, an unknown, this is a copycat league, right? And what happened? The Broncos went out and got a ton of speed. A ton yeah. of speed. They got Jerry Judy. They got uh, KJ Hamler. Uh, they got Melvin Gordon in the backfield to pair with Philip Lindsay. They went after offensive weapons. So did the Raiders. Uh, the Chargers kind of have their offensive weapons in Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry coming back. They needed a new quarterback to go with ex- explosive, kind of sprightly running backs that can do a lot of different things. So, could this be an old school AFC slash AFL West division? where you got to win games 38-35, maybe. Uh, I I do think going out and getting faster on defense is going to help them against Kansas City. The key thing that I think is really going to help them is the extra wild card spot, right? Because if you look back at last year, the the, the Raiders were – had they beat Denver at the end of of the year, they would have been the seventh seed, right? So – and that would have been that playoff spot. So while – Catching Kansas City, they're not there yet. Who knows if they'll get there in the near future. But with that second wild card spot, I would anticipate the AFC West being very competitive. Um, or not the second wild card spot, but the extra wild card spot. Um, I would anticipate them being very competitive for those five, six, and seven seeds. Um, and when you look back at what happened in 2016, where they went from what three and thirteen in four in twenty fourteen to seven and nine to twelve and four right that's a five game jump that's massive and unrealistic but then you look at this ramp up under like under John Gruden right very similar trajectory they went from four and twelve to seven and nine right so here's the year where you make the jump or where you should make that jump if you've constructed your roster correctly to with guys that can fit your scheme. Uh, I think there's another similarity that 2014 draft class with Mac and Carr and Gabe Jackson, you could liken that one to the 2019 class with, um, with Furl and Jacobs and Abram, right? So my point in saying all that is like, is to say this is that you should anticipate in my opinion, a two-win jump from this team. I think that's fair and realistic. Nine and seven puts you seriously in the hunt for the five, six, or seven seed. That's why I think it's realistic that they could be chasing the playoffs. Now, they were very good in games uh, decided by seven points or less. They're going to have to be very good in close games again uh, if they want to get to the playoffs. If not, they're going to hang at seven and nine, and 2020 will ultimately be a disappointment. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think the Raiders are one of the most intriguing teams. Uh, I I personally think they're they're right there on the cusp of busting into that playoffs, but I just don't know how this division is going to go personally. But with that being said, I got a question that I ask all of our guests, and I try, I kind of put everybody on the spot a little bit. I know it's early; we haven't even been to training camp yet. But 
who is your dark horse to make the playoffs this year? If not the Raiders, who who's your dark horse? You know, I think I think the Raiders could definitely be one of them. I think the Broncos could be another. Um, I think really, if you look at it, and this is going to sound nutty, and okay. I can't even really believe that I'm saying it, but never count the Patriots out. It, it it's just not a realistic right. thing. That doesn't do. sound nutty. That no, doesn't I, sound nutty at all, man. Yeah, I, I mean, even though they don't have Brady anymore, their wide receiver core is older, that defense is still good. I have zero knowledge or confidence in that, that kid from Washington State that um, they could have quarterbacking. But I think that's going to be very interesting. And uh, I'm not trying to you know play favorites to guys who are talking to me from the great state of Indiana. <laughs> but I will say this, though, that uh, before I covered the Raiders the last seven years, I covered the Chargers before that. So I know Phillip Rivers really well on a professional and personal level. I, I, saw, I saw his play last year. I've seen it in years past. I like that he's a little upset about the fact that people think he's washed up. A uh, An angry Phillip Rivers is a good Phillip Rivers. And uh, I think with that offensive line, uh, with the weapons and with the quarterback that they have, that that Indianapolis uh, could be right back um, on top again after sort of a so-so 2019 season. Yeah, he had a uh, – Philip Rivers had a Zoom media call yesterday with the media from here in Indianapolis, and that was one of the first things he was asked. And he was – you could tell he was upset that the question was even imposed of why he even wouldn't consider retiring. I think we're going to get more closer to what the 2018 form was just because of the way things – went out in LA last year, but with the Patriots, my thing is the same. I don't trust what the jets are doing. I don't trust what Miami's doing, you know, they've yeah, been here for over a decade. Buffalo could still be up and down. That depends on Josh Allen. So you still have Bill Belichick and the Patriots way over there. And so I, I'm not going to write them off until the schedule is starting to be played. Until they're dead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, um, at least until they start playing. Yeah. Cause for, for, for uh, for all those reasons, um, you know, I just think that it's something that you have to, you know, uh, take a really close look at um, because you're right. Can you trust Josh Allen? You think the, the Dolphins are a year away, even though they, I don't know, maybe they had a good draft. Nobody knows. Um, but I, I think that this AFC is just really intriguing. And I mean, who doesn't want to see the Buccaneers play, right? Um, right. So uh, for that reason, and look, I mean, normally at this point, I've already seen, what, nine OTAs and a rookie mini camp, and I'm getting pumped for, <laughs> you know, for, for that mandatory mini camp. This is, this is me at the house with two kids all the time. Like, I'm ready for some football, man. Like, let's go. And uh, definitely talking to you guys, you know, about the state of everything that could go on with everything we've seen from the offseason. Let's see it start to play out. Uh, I think the Raiders are going to be uh, a factor, and I I, I like the word that um, that uh, you guys used, intriguing, right? Yeah, they could be seven and nine. They could be eleven and five. Anything is possible with this team because of the speed that they've assembled. And I know that coaches don't execute, but I think coaches will play uh, a major factor here. Um, and how this thing goes forward, how the team assembles and practices and works and applies what they've learned in this, these virtual off-season programs. 
uh, it's going to be in- interesting to see how it all plays out. I totally agree, man. I think the best coaches are really going to shine this year, especially with, you know, the limited time they have going into these seasons. So I, I agree totally. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. And again, you don't know what draft picks are going to be till they start playing, but I think the AFC West made some bold moves um, this off season, whether it's Herbert or, you know, Judy or Locke, last year after Elway missed on like 15 quarterbacks in a row and still has a job somehow, which blows my freaking mind. Yeah. Uh, but, but nonetheless, I, I think the AFC West is going to be really intriguing. Big year for Derek Carr, right? Um, right. Absolutely. Like, you know, for all those things that he's going to play a major factor in what, I mean, I guess I've called it make or break before, but it's going to be a, a, a big year for number four. Right. And, it should pan out. I mean, if everything goes the right way, this team should be competitive. I expect them. I have them personally in the playoffs. But, you know, Scott, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, for anybody out there, if you just want to give them your Twitter handle and where to find all your work at. Yeah, uh, NBCSportsBayArea.com slash Raiders, uh, the Twitter handle and Instagram and, I don't know, every other social <laughs> thing that they make me sign up for is at B-A-I-R-N-B-C-S and the Raiders Talk Podcast uh, on YouTube or, you know, anywhere you can find your podcasts. Uh, so thank you uh, guys so much for letting me uh, promote all that and talk some football with you. Um, definitely a good show. Yeah. Can't wait to have you on again. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it guys. Anytime. So thanks again for Scott Bear for coming on. The biggest focal point is I think we know that this team's going to have speed, what they've invested in, you know, they didn't spend too much money on the offense in free agency, but this offense is going to stop and start, at least Scott thinks, and I, I think I agree with Josh Jacobs. Yeah, it has to for me. I, I would really be disappointed if they got away from running the football to him. He, he looks like he could be a top five back in this league at some point in time. Yeah, no, I if he can play all 16 games, he missed right. three last year, the offensive line's got to stay healthy. Carr is going to be able to manage this team, especially with giving him more weapons. Can the defense improve a little bit, though? You know, he said it, and you you right. love the Corey Littleton signing. It's going to be perfect. I think he's completely underrated. He is that new age linebacker that can cover sideline to sideline, drop back, and still you know play in the box. So he's kind of what you expect nowadays. And also, you got Jason Witten that just came to this team as well, who's going to provide very good leadership on that offensive role. Yeah, the locker room's going to be good. We know that. We know what you're going to get from John Gruden. Players are going to love playing for him. You know, he spends 20 hours a day in his office. We've loved what Mayock's done. People can question what they did in the draft all they want, but we have no reason right now to not trust Mike Mayock (laughs) and John Gruden. And like Scott said, they went for need, and they did it the year before. They went need. They they, They threw out best player on the board or best player available. They went for need. And that's well, and I think this year was a little different just in the simple standpoint. You didn't get enough pro days, so you didn't see players rise later. Arnett might have rose later, right? Rugs might have had a better pro day. You don't know, but yes, they we can sit here and say Mel Kiper has this, Todd McShay has this, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network has this, but these GMs have their own stuff. And we saw it every year with Mike Mayock on NFL Network. He never lined up with anybody else. Right. And he was closer to being right more times than not, yeah. especially when you got deeper into the draft. He was finding those steals. 
They got depth last year late with Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro. I think they're going to get it again this year. I love what they're doing. Yeah, I, I don't hate it, but we'll I'm, see. That's a tough division. And yeah, we'll, we'll come back and recap a little more after yeah. you know we play the interview with Raider Cody. We'll go over their schedule and everything. But we've got two segments of our own. Anybody out there is new listening to us. We've got our Would You Rather. We always base that off of our question of the week. The question of the week this week was top five cornerbacks. So let's just jump into Would You Rather. Oh, yeah. It's that time of week again where we throw out two blind stat lines and let you pick the player you would rather start. Would You Rather. All right. So like I said, it's going to be cornerbacks this week. And we don't usually just throw out tackles and everything, especially for the cornerback position. You know, we do have – we didn't limit it this week to just slot corners and, you know, just coverage corners. It's everything. Can they zone, you know, mix a little bit all in. But we'll start off with player A allowed an 89 passer rating to player B's 80 passer rating when targeted. Okay? Player A allowed 66% of the passes thrown at him completed. Player B was 48%. Missed tackle percentage for player A is 3.8%. Player B, missed tackle, is 14.3%. Fuck. It's a little higher. I mean, corners do struggle a little right. bit more. Right. I mean, they're not. Yes. Now, passes defended. Player A had five all year. Player B had 19. I mean, I think it's a landslide. You think it's a landslide? I mean, he might not be the better player, but he definitely has the better numbers. I don't. I don't know interceptions, but I gotta go B. Uh, interceptions, they both had one this year. Okay. I'll give you the. I'll give I, you guys both that this time. I gotta go B personally. Okay. The missed tackles is. A big it's a little mistake. concerning, yeah. but player A is in his going into his third year this year. Player B will be going into his fifth. There's one Marlon, fourth year. Fourth year. One's Marlon Humphrey. One is not Marlon Humphrey. Oh, damn it. But just pick one. I want to go with A. Okay. Is there a reason why? Uh, I mean, all of his numbers were worse besides the missed tackle percentage, which I get is a big thing, especially if you're putting a corner out there on an island. You expect well, him to be I able to jam. He stays right there with this man, even though his numbers were down at least. I mean, you know, you, his numbers weren't down. His numbers for him personally were down. He's one of the better corners in the league, I think, on almost everybody's board because he rarely gets targeted, but he didn't have a big enough year, at least in my opinion. LA Rams, I'm going to assume. Yeah. This guy, Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. Ramsey took Ramsey. <laughs> okay, well, who do I take? Carlton Davis. Fuck. No, not fuck. I think he's going – his projection going forward – see, no one's talking. He was second in the league in passes defended. He basically became the Tampa Bay's number one corner after they cut but ties with Vernon Hargraves. I think going Dude, forward, it's hey. tough. I mean, the money you – You're about to pay Ramsey. Ramsey. Carlton yeah. Davis was very underrated. I think you're going to hear a lot from him this year, To believe it or not. So, let's go to a commercial break from Anchor, and then we're just right out of the break. We're not even going to talk. Let's just get kick it right into questions of the week. Yeehaw! Them about them questions a week, Tramps. You have them questions, then we have them answers. It's time for the questions of the week. Yeah. Alright, once again, thanks to Anchor and the creepy questions of the week intro that we kind of do. You say it's creepy, I say it's catchy. It's a little hillbilly. I mean, that's really that understatement. Alright, so <laughs> we're just going to get into it. It's the questions of the week, our top five corners. Reeves, let's start it off with you. Because actually, before we even start, when I let him know that we were doing corners the other day, and we were in Milwaukee this weekend, his first response was like, oh, shit, this is going to be hard, which begs me to think that you don't watch corner play enough unless they're just on all pros consistently. 
This was a toss-up because both are on the same team um, at my five. But I'm just going to go with the guy. He had a down year in L.A. until he got traded to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to go with Marcus Peters at my number five. I thought he Peters had a great season. I still don't think he was the best corner on that team, but that it, between Humphrey and him, I, I'm not going to argue that he can't be a top five corner, and he has been before. Yeah, yeah the former, I, thought, first, I thought we saw former, him coming back into what he was right. with Kansas City. Okay. So that's okay. what I'm going on. I, I went with the team he got traded to, <laughs> his other teammate Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. Uh, he's he's really good, man. I like Marlon Humphrey though. I think you, know, you said, you know, Humphrey is – we'll both go back and forth. I didn't have Humphrey in my top five, nor did I have Marcus Peters. Right. They, can I consider them? Yes. I went with another player that played with a new team this year that kind of jumped back into that top five conversation in Richard Sherman, okay. who had a tremendous season and was one of the best lockdown corners again and was basically the captain of that secondary of one of the best defenses in the, the league that led them to the Super Bowl. I think he's, we're going to see another top five type season from him. Is he what he was four or five years ago? No. no but Sherman right. still has that length. He still has that fo- high football IQ and the athleticism to be and one of the best players in the league. another year off that Achilles injury, which is even better. Yeah, I was shocked how he came back from that. I very think almost impressed. everybody right, is. Right, especially one year out of it. Yeah. Like he, he looked very – he was close for me. I yeah. can't lie. Yeah, and then we'll go to my number four going into this year because it's also – We've talked about before, ours are always going into this year. I've got Jalen Ramsey, you know, to me, a little bit of a down year once he got to L.A. But he doesn't get targeted as much as other people. I know you want to say, oh, he only had one interception. That's not everything with corners. That's not. No, he was only targeted, I think, 90 total times last year. People are still throwing at him. His numbers were a little inflated this year. He gave up more catches, catch percentage. You know, the 89% uh, pass rating when targeted was the highest of his career. But he's still, to me, one of the better players in this league. He's a freaking athlete, and he's got more to prove going into this year because he wants that giant payday. So that's who I've got at my number four. At four, I went with Patrick Peterson. He's a guy that's had a few down years here of late, but I think with the additions they've made on that defense, and I think they're going to be getting back to where he's a real big focal point. I thought about him right there. and uh, I'll go with Marshall Marshall Lattimore with the Saints at number four. That's a good pick. I. The guy with that toughest. See, and that's someone I think you're going based off name there because Lattimore gave up, I think his pass rating was around 120 this year, gave up almost 70% of passes. No, and I'm not, he's still good, but he's not top five to me. He had a better year than he had two years ago last year. He had a better season. Yeah, I I think he slipped. He's not an elite corner. Is he very, very good? Yes, but I don't think he's top five worthy, let alone top four. Yeah, that's right. I think he's going to have a. Huge breakout year this year. All right, bring it back around then. Who you got at three? Number three, I got Jalen Ramsey. Okay. Lockdown. I also have Jalen Ramsey (laughs) at three. Uh, You can't put his name not within the top five in this league. So I'm going to go back to what we did, the segment we just did. I got Carlton Davis. I think he's really going to be a household name after this year. He just keeps getting better entering his third year. You know, we're not really talking about the Tampa Bay defense that much, but the last eight weeks of the season last year, they were a top three defense. They finished number one against the run. Their pass defense got even better because he is their number one lockdown corner. He's got that six foot one frame. He can do anything you ask. I think he's going to get him. He's going to improve on his open field tackling, but he's second in the league last year with 19 passes defended, only one behind Stephon Gilmore. 
I think you're going to see a lot more of him this year. He's at least going to make his first Pro Bowl, which I know doesn't mean much, but he's going to start to become that household name. Yeah. I know he's not a corner, but did Sue resign with, right with Tampa Bay again? Yeah, he's yeah. Okay, one-year deal. One year deal. That's yeah. going to be fun to watch. So, at, at two, I went with uh, Bill's corner, Tredavious White. Um, he's He makes a lot of plays, man. He's in a really great system, and that defense gets after it, and he flourishes it. After their pressure. Say with me, number two, uh, Tredavious White. Uh, he, the, the guy has carried that team since uh, they let go of Gilmore, which that could be even more scary if the Bills would have kept Gilmore. Yeah, but they had to pay Gilmore. Right. And the Patriots actually paid him. The cornerback's lifespan at, at that high, high level isn't as long. You're, getting, you're looking at five to six years usually. You get a better deal when you can get someone like Tre'Davious White on his twenty-five. Yeah. yeah. So, um, my number two though, I'm going with Denzel Ward, who's got even better last year. He's very good in zone coverage and man-to-man. They started bringing him off the edge again more last year. You know, people don't really talk about him. They were still so surprised they went with him at number four two years ago when they it took panned him. out. It yeah. panned out great. It was yeah. perfect. You need a lockdown corner in this league, especially in that division. When at the time you had Antonio Brown, you still have AJ Green. You know. The Ra- the Ravens we don't know they don't have that elite number one receiver yet. But Hollywood Brown might turn into it one day. And yeah. they've invested a lot in the last two drafts with the receiver, so someone's going to hit it at some point. But I think Denzel Ward's going to be one of the more elite corners right. in the league for the next few years. So that's who I got at my number two. Yeah, yeah he he was almost five for me. Um, at one, I went with the defensive player of the year. And I get that. I just think I, we're going to see a drop off from Gilmore, and he know, was targeted man. more than any other man to man press. Uh, corner in the league last year was targeted a ridiculous amount. He played 262 snaps. You know, he only gave up 49%, the lowest amount of his career. He made some great breaks. You know, he led the league with six interceptions. I just don't see that production again. I don't think that, that he's going to have six interceptions. No, and I know, I know you don't have to be that to be number one. I just – I see a little regression, and I think everybody I have ahead of him. But that's – I mean, that's your opinion. I'm not going to argue. Right, I'm not, Gilmore had a great year, and I still think he's a very good player. I'm not freaking out about yeah, it. I'm just no. saying I think he's going to be the best okay. corner in the game. I got Gilmar as well at number one. Uh, just deep, running defense player of the year. Uh, until someone knocks him off of that, then uh, he's still my number one quarterback. I mean, I don't think, personally, I don't think he deserved defense player of the year, but he he had a hell of a year. I think he did. I mean, what he was <laughs> able to do. Did Mika Fitzpatrick come on late? Did TJ Watt? Yes, they I mean, had great, I, phenomenal years. Yeah. I mean, you could have gave it to Chandler Jones. You could have gave it to a lot of but people. But he didn't play on the number one. A historically ranked de- – that's another thing, you know, the Ravens had – one of the greatest rushing offense of all time, you give it to the quarterback who just shattered records left and right. The New England Patriots also were shattering won. records early on. Gilmore was the best player on that defense. But I mean I mean that I get what That's you're saying usually, with Lamar Jackson, but he led the league in touchdown passes too. So I mean it's not the same. It, it's a little to bit me. of the same. To me. I was just saying it's not the same. Okay, you give it to the best offense in the league, usually just like two years right, ago. I'm not saying he's not. I was just saying I didn't like that comparison. Okay. Tredavious White is who I went with number one. I think he's going to be well, the best scorer in the league next year. Um, uh, he's gotten better that. each. He's going into his third year. Everything just keeps improving for him, passer rating out and everything else. You know, I'm okay with, you know, everything. This is a position that I think is going to have more fluctuation at the top five and ten than any other position in the league. Yeah, because a young guy can just come up and steal the show. Yeah, it's one of the few positions – 
that they can come in right away right. and just be a lockdown corner. Does it usually work out that way? No, it usually takes a year or two to figure out the system, the speed of the NFL. But we've seen it. Marcus Peters, his rookie year, I think he Jaylen had Ramsey had Jaylen, was great in his yeah, rookie We've seen it time and time after again. You know, Darrell Revis, uh, Nambi Asamoah for the yeah, Raiders, who right. we're about to talk to Raider Cody, was just phenomenal until he went out of the wrong system fit. And that's another thing, too. It's the system and what style of defense. Right. And can you get the most out of that? But we'll just shift back to the Raiders, and let's talk with Raider Cody. Joining us now the Raider Cody podcast is actually Raider Cody. So, Cody, thank you for coming on to discuss Raiders football today. Hey, guys. What's going on? Thanks for having me. I uh, I take every advantage I can of talking Raiders football, and in the offseason right now, we could use as much of it as we possibly can. You know, we've had a few guests on, and that's the only thing we keep repeating at time at time is you can't talk enough football right now because nothing's going on, and at least yeah. we're getting closer to training camp. It's the only good news I keep getting out of all this. Yeah. All right. So let's yeah, I'm just, just overanalyzing everything, but go ahead. Yeah. Right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll jump into it. So the 2020 Raider draft class, starting off the same way almost as the 2019, at least in my eyes from me, is you have a lot of controversy of what exactly Gruden and Mayock did. You know, a lot of people can sit there and say they reached on Henry Ruggs. I don't think that's a reach there at 12, but the Damon Arnett selection later in round one, I think at 19 overall was a little bit, but you had the same issues last year. And then once the play began, you know, those were kind of put at ease. Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, you got so much depth later in those rounds. What do you like about this draft class this year that the Raiders put together? Well, you know, it's hard not to love every single pick just based off of what Mike Mayock did last year. Um, right. Like you said, I mean, there's controversial early round picks, but in the same breath, it's like I, I've kind of like developed like this thing to where I don't really have, I guess, like your typical like analytical outlook on the draft anymore. Everybody's, okay. you know, based on their big boards or based on their rankings. Uh, that's a reach. That was too much. Their stock was here. But it's like then I kind of start looking like how do we even know what their rankings really are to some teams? I feel like most teams are just kind of all over the place like they're not necessarily going off of mock drafts on the internet i'm sure yeah they look at it just to kind of see league value but what do we really even know so then you go and you see you know fourth round picks like max crosby competing with the number two overall pick last year for defensive rookie of the year so it's one of those things after just what mike mayock does and his reputation i just love what's to come dude i mean you know you see you see what was Filled, I guess, need-wise. You know, we needed that speed wide receiver. We knew that's what we were lacking last year. We couldn't stretch the field. We got the one guy that was best at that in the draft. Uh, we could use some help at secondary because we've had this carousel um, at corner, obviously, since the Gary on Conley trade. We didn't know what we were going to do. Daryl Worley didn't work out. They couldn't quite find the right fit. So we go get Damon Arnett, a guy that seemed to be kind of a sleeper pick that kind of fell, I guess, down everyone's internet boards because... Um, of Okuda. So I just, I love the draft because I'm a Raider and I love what we did last year, but um, I'm interested to see what comes out of it. And it's interesting, the fourth round pick being our last pick. So I'm interested to see how this draft class turns out. I mean, with loading up in the fourth or third round this year and the way the first round went, you expect more of an immediate impact, at least in my opinion, if you're a, a first through third, you want them to contribute more right away. Or hopefully, you know, the later round picks, you get like Hunter Renfro last year, over 400 yards receiving as a fifth or sixth yeah. round pick. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he seemed to just make plays. But you said the Raiders need more secondary help. You know, 
they went after Byron Jones in free agency, didn't land him. But, you know, they got Prince of Mukamore for what I think 1.1 on a one year deal. Cheap, cheap, great signing. But they also went out and spent a little more in free agency. I love, and I know Dustin does too, the Corey Littleton signing. Maybe paid a little more for Carl Nassib than need to be. But what was your overall impressions from the draft or the free agency class for the Raiders this year? I liked it because it was the same approach I felt like we took the year before where we didn't necessarily completely just go after need, but we, you know, we went after like a lot of the big fish that we possibly could. Um, and it took care of a lot. We went into the draft, like I said, with, you know, maybe a couple needs there. We addressed them early on, but, but free agency shored that up. Um, and seeing, I mean, this is going to be the best linebacker group that we've had since what, like Kirk Morrison days and, and they're in their modern era linebackers, right? You know, the, I mean, these are guys that Corey Littleton, I mean, he could dang near, play safety just about you know, his coverage ability the way he looks for the ball it, it's amazing and Kwiatkowski just obviously just kind of has that buildup of your like prototypical NFL linebacker just kind of a hard-nosed downhill guy um, isn't afraid to do anything as a linebacker and and it's it, it, that's going to be kind of I guess the, the tipping point is you know we kind of took a chance on a guy that I mean seems like the Raiders love him we're giving them the green dot. We're giving them the keys to the defense. And I think that's going to be kind of the tipping point of how our free agency went is is how Kwiatkowski performs. I feel like Littleton goes in there and does his job. Um, and, you know, some of our other pieces that we added on the interior of the offensive line, rotating in, stuff like that. Um, and Malik Collins, obviously, too, Demarius Randall. I think we went big on defense. I, and it's something that I felt like most of us expected just because of how the buildup was of free agency. You know, you saw like maybe like an Emmanuel Sanders out there. You didn't really see like a whole lot of talent on offense, but then you just see all these defensive guys loaded up. Like you said, Byron Jones. Um, I think there's another big name corner out there that went somewhere else too. Um, oh, Chris Harris, guys like that. Um, and, and I think we, I think we hit it perfect. We we had the perfect game plan. Teed us up, man. Free agency has me pumped. Yeah, I mean, I I love the core little time, but the Demarius Randall, you know, is interesting too. You let Carl Joseph walk. I think he's in Cleveland. Jonathan Abrams looked like, at least in camp last year, looked like he was going to be able to produce. Started off great week one, torn rotator cuff, done for his rookie season. What exactly are you going to expect for him out of his second year? Just because we didn't get to see enough of him last year. Well, luckily we saw some clips. I think last year when he was just on the sidelines, it seemed like he was very plugged in and still at least was able to pick up the knowledge and kind of get over that like rookie hump. You know, that learning hump where you yeah. finally start to feel comfortable on the field. So I think he's going to be able to walk out there um, and not feel like a rookie. I think he's going to be excited to get back and play football. And he's going to be, he's going to have enough time in that playbook. I mean, obviously, he's probably studying everything. He's sitting through meetings still. Uh, so he dang near already pretty much played his rookie year while healing up, getting fresh, um, and is going to be 100%. Hopefully, now he just, he just takes it easy, dude. That guy goes out there. He just wants to like take everyone's head off. It's like, save it. At least, at least save it. Like if you're gonna go out there and and, and uh, you know put your body on the line, save it for the Kansas City Chiefs. Save it for them. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. No, I, I get it. Um, you know, I loved him coming out, and I thought you know he was a better selection than Savage that the Packers took there. Just you know one of the late round safeties. But your other late first round pick, you know, clearly the best rookie running back last year in Josh Jacobs. Missed three yeah. games. He'll finish with over 1,300 total yards. Got robbed for rookie of the year, yeah. personally, I think. Absolutely robbed, dude. What is up with that? Yeah. Is that 
See, now this is why I got I got a personal issue with this. And I, I don't like calling people out, but Associated Press, I got an issue with you, Associated Press. That's a bunch of crap. <laughs> I think it's just generated now to go straight to the quarterback if they win four games and have a couple good throws, and it's hard. It's almost impossible to beat a quarterback. Just like you're, it's going to be very hard to dethrone a quarterback off the MVP race. Same with the, almost the Heisman now in college. It's all about the quarterbacks, whatever they do. I hey, don't, don't justify it. It's still a bunch of crap, all right? No I'm not trying to justify it. Yeah, I understand, yeah. Keeping on that offensive side of the ball, you know, we've seen Josh Jacobs go off last year, and like he said, he still missed three games or something. Three or two three. games. I believe it was three. But yeah. he's going to be – the he's going to get the lion's share of the carries this year. But do you think they're going to, you know, air it out a little more, obviously, with – you know, Henry Ruggs, their first round pick, or do you think they're going to tr- keep or continue to keep trying to pound that rock? I think we, I think we kind of stick with the same game plan, except we're going to see those chances where, I mean, there's so many times I felt like our offense kind of like had this notion, like we we're going to take shots down the field, but they just weren't there. I mean, it to the point to where, I mean, the offensive line had it set up perfect, you know, where you get like that, that deep, like four or five step drop. Yeah. And you see, you see Derek looking straight down the field, and he looks like he's. I mean, I, I could tell you probably a dozen times I can remember in the back of my head of him ready to just probably load down the field, but he probably just decided, you know, the look wasn't there. So I feel like this year it's going to be the same look, the same kind of game plan. We're going to go out there on first down. There was a time I, I couldn't tell you how many was it like twelve in a row. At one point I was keeping track in the middle of the season. It was like twelve first downs in a row. We uh, ran the ball on first down, like. Every time, and we're and we're picking up yards, and that was mainly when we had Josh Jacobs. Obviously, yeah. the game plan changed later in the season, but I think that's going to like stay the same. If he can go out there and pick up five, six, seven yards on first down every time, why not keep going to that? You know, there's no reason to, to try and throw the ball down the field. So um, I don't know. I, I I see him getting more into, into the pass game a little bit just by, I guess, the overall production of those those big pickups. And it's going to be interesting. Just like, you know, you noted Josh Jacobs missed whatever three games. But, he, I mean, he missed, I'd say, technically almost half the season because, I mean, he played the second half of the season with that fractured shoulder. Um, and, like, I think, like, it was a week two or week three, uh, maybe the Vikings game. He was, like, sick, right? They had him on, like, IVs on the sideline just to get through the game. So he had a rough rookie year. Um, I'm interested to see. Hopefully, he, you know, he kind of picked up on the blocking. Hopefully, he's been working with Jalen Richard. Uh, but Josh Jacobs that's going to be the key piece to this offense, right? Let Derek go out there and be the John Gruden on the football field and command the way you want John Gruden to run that offense, even when it comes down to the run game, and find a way to get that ball in Josh Jacobs' hands like literally 50% of the time. And I think you should. I, they should almost use it like Saquon Barkley in New York needs the ball at least 50% of the time. Granted, the Giants have the nightmare that's Daniel Jones behind quarterback. At least Carr can manage. But Carr is through contract through what twenty twenty one, I believe. He's got after twenty twenty one or ne- after next season, I think it's only like a four point five million dead cap. Do you expect Carr to improve a little bit this year to get back to where he was probably in twenty sixteen, or do you think that he's just gonna kind of stay where he's at? We know what he is, and that the Raiders are eventually gonna move on from him. I think if we can keep if Derek played the way he did last year, except. You know, we add those that that one thing we talked about, being able to pull the trigger on those deep shots. Yeah. And being able to finish drives and put more points on the board. If you do that, I mean, 
he's going to be a top 10 quarterback next year. That's all he was missing. He was efficient. Um, I felt like he didn't turn the ball over too much. There were some hiccups there. But he had a different freaking starting wide receiver like every other week out there on the field. He, it's, it's the same thing. We talk about this all the time. But it, it's year three of John Gruden. This is kind of like that, you know, I can say it, put up or shut up type of thing, right? We have the tools. We have the pieces. Now we want things to keep going in our favor. We don't need any more bad luck. We got a favorable schedule. Las Vegas is going to be great. Um, I think that's all it takes. Like, get us into the playoffs. And, you know, we saw we saw massive improvements from him from last year to this year. Like, massive improvements. Um, he, he had issues really under pressure. And, and he's pretty much had that almost his whole career. We talked about even, even his 2016 season. Give him yeah. a clean pocket, and he's a great quarterback. But you get him under pressure, and he had struggle. Well, last year, he was... I mean, just as efficient all the way across the board, if not more efficient when being blitzed and when under pressure. I think when he was under pressure, he threw like five touchdowns, no interceptions last year. So that was obviously a key uh, point of emphasis for him. So now this year, hopefully that key point of emphasis is finding those shots downfield with the chemistry with your new deep threat, Henry Ruggs, and a healthy Tyrell Williams because everyone forgets that guy's a deep threat uh, still. And... Uh, doing those things and finding a way to just cap off drives with more points. That's all it's going to take. That I mean, he has the makeup to be a top 10 quarterback. Now we just got to, you know, put the cherries on top in these certain categories. And, and, and this offense can be lethal. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think a lot of people had just automatically written off Derek Carr after the injury. You know, he didn't come back to that form right away. And it takes a while. And then there was the reports of Gruden not wanting Carr there. So we went through that drama. But quietly, Carr had a very good season. It was almost similar to that 2016. You know, he only threw eight interceptions, which was the second lowest amount of his career. Like you, you pointed it out perfectly. He was great against pressure. Hopefully, with Tyrell Williams, can stay healthy for 16 games. Compare that with Waller. If Rugs can, you know, keep improving throughout his rookie year, they have so much potential on this offense that I think they can get them over the hump. With that being said, because there is now three wild card teams. Expectations for you, though, going into the season, is that wild card spot a must now because of what they've been able to do the last few years? And we're still, like you said, in year three of this John Gruden, or you kind of take back away, say, not the wild card just yet? I mean, it has to be playoffs. Last year, we were so close, like even to the point where even that last week, of course, we needed a lot of things to go in our favor. And we're Raider fans, so we just always expect anything can happen. But. <laughs> You know, it didn't work. We got our hopes up again. It, it was crazy. It's such a roller coaster at the end of the year. It's wild. You know, we have, we, we hit their tipping point. It's like we're climbing this thing, right? All year long, we're climbing up the, to the top of this roller coaster. And we, you know, we beat the Bears, right? And we go on this, like, little win streak. Six and then four. we hit, yeah, and then we hit the Jets. And it's like this roller coaster just, like, took off, dude. And, and we, I mean, it, we're, we're getting thrown through, through loops. We got, you know, Josh Jacobs getting hurt. You got Hunter Renfro out there breaking ribs, puncturing lungs, um, all these different like carousels at different positions. Our secondary was all over the place. By that point, I don't think we had one starting safety from the beginning of the year, obviously losing Joseph and Abram. Um, it was just, it was a mess. And we still found a way to be at week 17 with a chance of making the playoffs, right? We were what? Three, I mean, we could, I think, we, we would have had a better chance of winning our game had we had a chance. By the time it came down to that final play, we went for two, knowing that it didn't matter if we got it or not, we weren't going to be in the playoffs. Um, I, with those other two games going in that favor, really, 
we could have freaking been in the playoffs. I mean, we were that close. You don't expect, you know, we shouldn't be in the same spot and we shouldn't take a step back. We should be taking a step forward. And the next step forward is those couple games in that one week going our direction and finding a way to push into the wild card round. And I expect nothing less as a Raider fan. I, I, at that point, I'll be frustrated. We got Gruden for 10 years, right? Right. 10 years under this regime and hopefully more after that. But right now we have 10 years. I'm not going to wait till year six or seven to be making the playoffs. Right. Not year three, right? Year four. Derek's at the prime of his career where he should be winning games now. And even now, as the, you know, this kind of like went ran through my head. I'm investing so much into Josh Jacobs, but you keep seeing, you know, the Dalvin Cook situation. And it's like, Josh Jacobs isn't guaranteed to be a Raider for life because running backs are just so hit or miss. You never know when he gets to the end of his contract, he's going to want a payday. And, and we don't blame him. But running backs take a heavy load. They right. don't always get paid like they deserve. So, Josh Jacobs, you know, we could have him for two to three years right now to just dial in and put our heads down and win football games at number 28, and we could be taking another shot at another young running back in four years. So we got we got to win now. I mean, it's pretty much almost now or never, or plan another, like, small rebuild, I guess. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. They, they have to make the playoffs this year. They got to make a, a couple changes. In my opinion, I, I would think you would. If I don't know, depending on why they miss, spit it out. I'm just saying, depending on why, if they don't make playoffs, that yeah. would be, you know you're obviously barring right. uh, major injuries to your major players, yes, or like we're both Colts fans. Don't you know, say that. Your starting retires <laughs> two weeks before the season starts, so it is what it is. Dustin, though, asks the same stupid question to every single guest we have on, so I'm just going to let him get it over Well, with. I mean, he calls it stupid. I call, <laughs> I call it a good question. But what, who's your dark horse to make the playoffs this year, man? On any – either side of the conferences, whatever, just give me a uh, – Ooh. I mean – is there is there a darker horse right now than the silver and black? I mean, you, I can't say not. So it's one of those things. Man. So I mean, I completely see that. Um, we've usually gotten two typical answers: Cleveland, Arizona have been the biggest two. Arizona would be a good one. Now, is is Miami considered a dark horse? Because I'd put Miami in that conversation. That'd be huge. Um, I just don't see that one happen. I Raiders would make sense. For me. I mean, Miami if. That's what you they want loaded up on defense, right? They loaded right. up on defense. I mean, they spent a lot of money on defense. And I really like Tua. Um, I don't really know how to say his name, Tagovailoa or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I like his first name. You know, it's one of those things. I like him as a, as a football player. And I, I think he has a lot of the makings to be special. And I've always just thinking Miami's just been one of those teams. Like, I'm not going to go pick out, like, you know – 75% of the football NFL teams I don't really like. Like, it's just kind of the way it is. But then there's those teams that are just like, oh, yeah, those those guys are cool. And it's Miami's a, one of them. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like what they do. And I like I think that they can make the playoffs, or at least they're going to be pretty dang close. If Tua plays, I just – if they don't sit – if they sit in this year, I expect big things out of Tunga Bailoa going forward. But, I mean, I – I'll just stick with, I mean, I love the Raiders comparison. That division, if Drew Locke can be anything, which is a big question mark, I like what Denver's done. I don't think the Chargers are quite there because they have uncertainty at quarterback. I think their defense can be better. Granted, I still think the Chiefs dominate this division for another year. 
with Patrick, but I think the Raiders should be right there at least eight and eight, if not nine or 10 wins right there. And that should get you guys into the playoffs for that, at least the third wild card spot. Yeah. Magic number 10. I'll circle back to the Dolphins, though. I just don't see them having the weapons to get there. I know they got Devontae Parker, but I just don't. On offense, I don't like your attitude. I, that's <laughs> not, I, even, I think two is the best quarterback in the draft, personally. Like, I mean, I don't think it, that's that crazy. I like him, too, yeah. Just injury is the only thing, right? Yeah, right. I mean, everybody knows he was the consensus number one overall pick going into the draft. And then, you know, Joe Burrow had – the greatest Absolutely. college football season for a quarterback and Tua got hurt. So he got thrusted into that number one pick. But I just – I love Tua on the Dolphins and I like their future. I just can't see that this year. I, that's just me though. But uh, <laughs> It's a franchise that's like there's no way that team's going to make the playoffs. Like something's right. going to – it's like the Browns, right? It's it, You know, they've kind of been building up and it's like – Something's going to happen and they're not going to play the playoffs. Or it's like even the Chargers. Like, I feel like every year the Chargers are like the dark horse team to make the playoffs and they always like find a way to like be garbage by the end of the year. But that's just something happens. They made the playoffs, what, twice in the last decade? That's why I'm scared that Phillip Rivers is our quarterback for the Colts. I just, I mean, I I like his his leadership and he's, he's a mean guy, but I just, Sometimes he can't drag those teams to the playoffs like he should. Like I feel those elite quarterbacks should. So you're a Colts fan? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Philip Rivers. Now that he's not a Charger, um, I'm okay with him. But at, at, for the longest time, pretty much my entire life, yeah, <laughs> Philip Philip Rivers has been like my most hated quarterback. I, I've not despised another quarterback more than him. And even like my wife, right? Whenever I met her, she like wasn't much into football. I think all the way up until like two years ago, maybe she finally learned his first name because I always called him Crybaby Rivers. There we go. There we she go. had no idea his name was Philip. Like she had no idea. So yeah, that's where we sit. Yeah, she she's been bred to hate Tom Brady and everything that comes out of New England. So Oh, know. I'm with it. Okay, I'm friends with her too. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean anything that comes out of them is fine. But for anybody out there listening, um, just give a quick space where to find you on Twitter and your podcast. I know it's on YouTube. It's on several different platforms. Just kind of give yourself a shout out. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Raider Cody. I have a Facebook page. Uh, go to RaiderCody.com. All the links are there. You can find my channel. Uh, YouTube is something new that I'm investing in. Any Raider fans post game or if you play the Raiders um, right after that game is over, we're going to be going live on YouTube. Um, and I just pop out some random stuff, and you can find my podcast, uh, iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, like pretty much, I think all the main ones. I don't really keep track of all the platforms, but yeah. pretty sure you can just search it up and, and find it. But hey, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you guys got a cool little laid back setup, and I like how you guys, you know, kind of cover all sports. Sometimes I wish, especially in a time right now, I wish I could cover more uh, than just the Raiders. I'd maybe like to dive into some other sports, but hey, it is what it is, and I like what you guys do. Well, I'll be back on sometime to cover anything, man. We're cool with that. But yeah. we really yeah. appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your day. But Yeah. Hard work day, man. It's it's hot over here, bro. It's I mean, we're we're climbing back up into a hunter, but last I mean last week, uh we're hitting like one ten and I'm glad I got this little studio set up now because I got some AC in here. Otherwise I'd be in here just sweating my butt off at five thirty <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> we don't do those temperatures here. We we're more of the humidity range, but Again, man, thanks for coming on, and we hope to have you on again soon. Appreciate you guys, man. Anytime. Big shout-out to Raider Cody again. We really appreciate having you on, man. A great interview. That was one of the more fun interviews we've had. He's laid back. Um, 
I wish any of our audience out there, because this is just a, a normal podcast, it's not video. He's got a sweet setup there at his right. own house. You know, he you can find him anywhere. He's more laid back. I think the only thing that upset you a little bit is we always ask, or you always ask the question, who's your dark horse team? I'm okay with the Raiders because I think you should expect. Well, I was I, I didn't agree with the Dolphins. Yeah, that's why I, I, you got to let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. That's why I was okay with the Raiders. You know, you should expect that third wild card. But when he said the Dolphins, I, I'm okay with it. I can see it's just to me you're not playing Tua this year. At least you shouldn't, especially now that he hasn't been able to go to rookie minicamp or anything else. Right. But going in in two years, that locker room loves Brian Flores. They're putting some pieces around. They just haven't done enough yet. Usually Ryan Fitzpatrick shits the bed in his second year with the team after one decent year. I think they're just another year away with a little more draft capital and a little more free agents. And your points played into what I what I was trying to say. No, I get it. Interview. I I just don't like their offensive weapons personally. I know I just probably stated that in that interview, but I just don't think they have enough to win that division. Yeah, and I I mean that division's gonna be wide open. I mean. Austin Jackson, their second first-round pick. I think he's still a year away. I still don't love that pick at, I think, 19 for them. Yeah, He's got all the potential. He would have benefited even more going back USC from the year, but now he was the 19th overall pick. He would have been top 10 more than likely in 2021. But it's just the same thing Scott Bear said, and we both agreed. You can't count out the Patriots until they play a game. And I know we can sit there and say they got Stedham from Auburn. You know, we don't know what they're going to be doing, but it's still Bell Belichick. That defense was so damn good Tom last Brady, year. his first year, wasn't out there fucking slinging the rock 50 times a game. They ran the ball. They played defense. Tom Brady made. didn't look like he had an arm last year either. Well, on no, I'm just saying when his first couple years in the league, yeah, he, it was, he, he wasn't the MVP Tom Brady. Now, he was the MVP of the Super Bowl, but he only threw for 145 yards in that game. So let's not just sit here and act like he was the greatest quarterback in the world back then. He turned in to one of the best all time, but... You know, we're going to see that division can be wide open because Buffalo could take a huge step back just because you Buffalo can fall off a cliff easy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, Josh Allen's a good quarterback, but he has some accuracy issues. Who knows? He might have that. Yeah, the only thing I'm not going to sit here and agree with is the Jets, I don't think can compete. I would expect more from the Dolphins just because if Tua played, right? I like to. I don't think Darnold's it. And I could be proven wrong. And you know what? I hope. Every fan base at least deserves to see at least a good quarterback in their lifetime, yeah. and they've just been shit on time and time right. again. Right, Chad Pennington's the best one I could think of in it. And Vinny Testaverde had a great year with Parcells when they went to the AFC Championship. Yeah, he wasn't NBA. bad, but he just it, – yeah, They've yeah. had bad luck. And they've made some questionable draft calls. They've never really had a good enough GM. But, you know, the Raiders are kind of come out of the gate. I think they've got Tampa Bay. They've got a really tough start to their schedule. I think they got Buffalo early on in the first five weeks. If they can get through that, they should be able to get to eight to nine wins, which an eight-win team, an eight-and-eight team in this new playoff format with three wild cards should get in, most years at least. Because I think eventually you're going to start seeing more than seven and nine teams get in. I got I got the Browns being that last team at nine and seven, but I mean they could easily be eight and eight and get in. So it's, it's there's nice. just so many teams. It's wide open because you don't know exactly what to expect because there right. are so many question marks, but there also are very good pieces, and the Raiders are one of those teams. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I thank you, Scott, and thank you, Cody, for both coming on. We will have you both on again. You know, if you're first just listening to us, we hope you enjoyed our interviews with them. We're gonna finish like we do every single week. With the six pack of the week. This is the six pack of the week. All right, with that first one, who has the most rushing touchdowns in a rookie season? 
Gail Sayers. Eric Dickerson. That's eighteen. Gail was just over. He scored a lot of touchdowns. Gail Sayers did that rookie year. He um who has the most interceptions in a rookie season? Marcus Peters. Dick Lane. Night Train Lane. He had fourteen in, in twelve games. That's that's, that's fucking he's still crazy. Top five all time, I think, on interceptions. Yeah, he is, and he had the most in a season, too. Yeah. Um, Since the merger, there's only been one running back to throw two touchdowns in a game. Who was he? Damn. I want to say it was either LT or Sean Alexander. Walter Payton. Really? Yeah. Because I knew, I remember LT's MVP season. Yeah, he he threw a lot of touchdowns that year. Well, in his career, not that lot. I wouldn't say a lot, but But for a running back. Yeah. But yeah, that was in 1983 against the Saints. Um, Who has the most tackles for loss in a single season? I'm just going to, it's probably wrong, but I'm going to say Michael Strahan just from the simple standpoint that he has the league record for most sacks in a season. It's J.J. Watt with uh, 39. At the year, he probably had 20 and a half sacks. He was like 25, I think, at the time. I don't know how many sacks it, he it had. It was the year he had I'm sure and a half. He has like the second and third, too. Yeah, like just in second, the, I'm pretty sure. No, that's fine. It's just in theory. Well, and him and Aaron Donald, I think, tied. Right. All right, so sticking in the Raiders. Who has the most rushing yards in Raiders history? Oh, man. Don't overtake it. I can't think of his name. Played with Gannon and them when they were when Gruden was there the first time. It's the only thing I can think of, but I it's just I'm drawing a complete blank. Well, his name is Mark Salen. Mm-hmm. Former USC great. See, I'm what quarterback has the most passing yards in Seattle Seahawks history? Russell Wilson. Yep. He that, just just did it this he, past year. Yeah, he just passed uh, Hasselback. Hasselback, yeah. Good God. Well, thanks for joining us this week, guys. Next week we're going to be doing a uh, – interview with uh, Ian Scheiber for of the CBS Jets, Sports or for the Giants I apologize but, and then we're gonna question of the week's gonna be our top five quarterbacks of all time so we're really looking to see what you guys think about that enjoy your week